Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Simple Disk, Delegation and Project Management. Today, Mark and I are going to talk about how to delegate and manage projects more effectively based on the disk profile of your team members. Before we go on, though, I need to apologize. Unfortunately, Mark was traveling when we recorded this, and he was caught without all the proper equipment. And so he pops a little bit on his audio. Sorry about that. Hope it's not too much of an inconvenience. All right, here we go with the show. You know, one of the most frustrating lessons that folks get when they start out as managers, and it's so darn inconvenient, is that <laughs> everyone's not just like me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, some of us ignore it, and then we just rely on our power and struggle yep. through with less than ideal relationships with our team members. And, you know, frankly, some folks that you and I know never change this behavior during their entire careers, right? And you know what? I, I think those are the folks that get the press, right? I mean, they decide that leadership is about the leader and not the, the team. And they, you know, they just say, okay, I, I can get success. And, and, and it gets harder and harder to manage at higher and higher levels. And they just work harder. I think that's why we see a lot of people at top of the organizations, you know, working, trying to work a hundred hours a week because they, they make it about themselves and they treat everybody the same, which is one of the reasons why I don't like the concept of fairness in management. And rather than thinking, you know, how can I treat everybody different? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it's a good point. Treat everyone different because the second issue kind of closely related to the first one I, I covered is that they discover that, Hey, not only is everyone not like me, they're not like each other either. Right? <laughs> they're all different. Yeah, they're not all car cardboard cutouts of directs, right? They're not all team members. Hey, team member A, team member B. Uh, you know, I'm sure every person who's listening who has a brother or a sister, particularly if they have multiple brothers or sisters, has had a parent say, Bob, Joe, Terry, you there, right? And uh, we don't want to do that as managers. Look, if we want to be effective as managers, we've got to manage everyone who works for us as an individual. I mean, look, you know, you know what our conference is, Mike, we do the, the thing where we ask the audience, how do you, you know, do you want more feedback from your boss, assuming it's going to be delivered professionally and ethically, you know, fairly, and, and, and the, everyone's like, oh my gosh, yeah, oh my gosh. Whenever we get one person not having his hand up or her hand up, they say, well, my boss he couldn't do it. You know, he's, he's rude or he's unprofessional or whatever. I, I, would, I don't care what he thinks of me, which is sad. But, but anyway, everybody wants it. And then we say... Look, how different from you are your directs? If we believe that we're that much different from our directs, it's really not a good thing, right? And and so imagine, if you're not comfortable with what I just said, that you've got to manage everybody who works for you as an individual, imagine what it would feel like if your boss treated you just like all of your peers, right? Yeah, it'd be um, awful. Yeah, it'd just be, it'd be terrible. And it's not, this is not hard to do to manage people as an individual, but you have to choose to do it. And of course, gee, if you had to work with them as individuals, maybe it would help to say, meet with them once a week to get to know them. I don't yeah. know. We should do a cast about that. Yeah. Okay. So we all want to do, but how do we do that? I mean, we're not all sociologists and anthropologists and psychologists right. or psychiatrists and, and, and yeah, everybody's different. So 
Right. How do we do that? <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the, that, that's the reason why we like the disc prof, profile so much. For so many of us, we're struggling, right? Our first thought is to manage everybody the way we are, which is a bad idea. But the disc profile gives us something teachable, something simple with which through which to look at some of our directs and help us understand how they behave and why they behave the way they do. Not that the why is terribly important. If you use the disc profile, um, which is the best behavioral profiling communication tool we know of, it really makes one-to-one managing, not one-to-many, but one-to-one managing within the reach of everybody. And so this cast is really about one of the many ways you can use the basic ideas behind disk or individual communications to be effective. Um, and it's around, you know, delegating and, and, and it's really around work in general, but the two things that we talk about here are delegation and projects. Okay. So before we go on though, with um, the outline, what we're going to talk about today, I think right. I just got to let everybody know, we're not going to talk about disk in detail here. We're going to cover it at a real high level, but we've, we've have several other casts. We have at least five of them where we've talked about disk in some detail. We right. did a show a while back about Im- improving, uh, improve your feedback. And in that, we talked about the disk profile in general. Um, we also did one cast each on each of the different profiles, D, I, S, and C, where we went into an, a lot of detail. So we're going to cover it at a very high level later on in the show. However, I'd encourage you to go to the website and look at those old shows. And we'll provide links on the, on, on the show notes on the web for this particular show with links to each of those casts to make it easy for folks. Yeah. And we do, we, you know, if you're interested, we do provide a way for you to order disc from another company. Um, and we, we pay for those. And so we price it lower than most websites do just because we're not so much thinking about making money, but we just love the tool. And, and I've never had people out of, you know, 20, 30,000 people I've given it to ever say anything other than, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. And it's accurate. The few people who've ever said it's inaccurate say their, their friends say, no, no, it's accurate. It's yeah, quite so accurate. Yeah. It's an, it's an online yeah. survey. It takes about 15 minutes to complete and it gives you this unerring <laughs> accurate, yeah, incredible, um, yeah, incredible exactly. profile that, and the the beauty of disc, I, I do want to say this, the beauty of disc is often Mike and I generally don't like a lot of the, the tools and profiles because they tend to tell you who you are. And frankly, there's no way a, a, an online survey can tell you who you are because it, it leaves out so much, right? It's a one-dimensional analysis. But but disc, the theory of disc is this. It says, based on your answers, we can share with you your, your tendencies to behave. In other words, this is how you behave when you're not thinking about behaving. But what we really love about disc is it says, however, you can behave any way you want to if you think about it first. And that's what we're suggesting is that when I talk to Mike, I talk to Mike a little bit differently than when I talk to Maggie because they have different natural styles. And I could just be myself, but then I wouldn't be as effective with either one of those, with either one, either Mike or, or, or Maggie. So, so we really like the disc, but, but at the same time, as Mike says, this is not a disc um, detailed in detail cast, even yeah. though we'll cover a lot of it. Yeah. And to say we like the disc is a vast understatement. It is an incredibly yeah. powerful tool. And if you understand disc... And then you listen to the rest of this podcast, you're going yep. to be a management god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let, let's, okay. let's get on with let's what we're going to talk about today. 
Right. So we got six bullets. Uh, first two general ones, just to get started, we delegate and manage projects with individuals. Most most managers, particularly younger managers, miss this. They say that the project is a team. Well, it's not a team. It's a bunch of individuals. You might be lucky to end up with a team after they bond and communicate and trust one another, but but that's not trivial. We We need to start thinking about work as being done by individuals and not by teams. Okay. The second thing is the way manager tools thinks about work we've used as a way to, to flow through as an anal- analytical tool to flow through this cast, which is Horstman's law of project management, who does what by when. That means that the three things we think about when it comes to our work with our directs are the people, the tasks, and the time, the who and the what. And the win. So with that background, then what we're going to do is we're going to take all four of the major primary styles. And this time we're going to do them in reverse order. We're going to start with C and we're going to make specific recommendations for when you delegate and when we manage projects with a team member who has this tendency. Um, we'll tell you how you would modify your behavior when you deliver a project or a delegation to somebody. For high C's, we want to, we'll, we'll definitely want to work on helping them developing relationships with other people. We'll allow them to do the self-planning, the development of the task list, because they'll be good at it. And we'll definitely want them to come up with early deliverables, because high C's tend to be a little bit slower about some things. And we're not talking intellect-wise. We're, we're talking in terms of how quickly they get uh, engaged on a project. Uh, and we'll, we'll ask for early deliverables, early deliverables from them. Uh, on the other hand, when it comes to high C's, we're also going to expect planning and decision delays and probably a lack of teamwork. And so we need to look for those things when we're working with a high C. Uh, for high S's, we're going to ask them to leverage their good relationships across the organization. We're going to let them do some early self-planning. I'll go, we're going to meet with them about it. And we're again, we're going to ask for early deliverables because high S's are like high C's in terms of going slowly early on in projects. And with high S's, we can expect delays due to wanting to make decisions or delaying making decisions, and also lots of questions. Questions are a way that high S's interact with others, particularly bosses who they who have power over them. High I's, um, we're getting, we're definitely going to encourage teamwork from the high I's because high I's are going to use other people whether we want them to or not. On the other hand, we're going to have to get written. We're going to demand written and updated plans. And we're going to absolutely want clear deadlines because high eyes are not good with deadlines. Interestingly enough, high eyes are different than S's and C's. We can expect a fast start from a high eye. However, they start well, but then they tend to drag their other foot behind. No offense, folks, because I'm a high eye, so I can say that fairly. They tend to drag their other foot behind their, their best foot forward. And then they tend to lack data. A lot of high eyes will gloss over data and just make gut calls. And sometimes that doesn't work in some organizations. And then lastly, the high Ds. Sorry, you're going last this time, guys. Not that you care. We're going to work with them on relationship development because it's not something Ds are good at. We, we are going to demand written and updated plans from them because they won't want to write anything down. They'll want to just do what makes sense to them. We can definitely expect them to start quickly, but pretty quickly then, if things don't go well, the, 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 the project will start to fray, relationships will start to fray, and you may have to do some relationship triage when it comes to working with Ds on projects and delegation. Good. That's a kind of, kind of a long outline, but Mike, I was worried that this is a long cast and people would feel, gosh, you know, it's 
or 15 minutes in and I'm not learning details. So I just wanted to give as high, not too high a level, but enough detail so people can say, okay, I understand what you're asking me to do. Yeah. And, and this is so powerful. This could be forecast and it's, oh, easy. it'd be in, incredibly yeah. valuable. Now, folks, don't worry. It's not going to be four. Yeah, it's not going to be four. <laughs> it's going to be more than one. <laughs> okay. So let's get to our first point. We delegate and manage projects with individuals. Now that to experienced managers, that's got to feel and sound pretty obvious, yeah, right? Don't insult my intelligence, right? Yeah, yeah but to, to a lot of new managers, and we have new managers that are on, on listening to this podcast, and it's probably a revelation to some of them. Too many of us want our job, right? The job as the manager to be easier, yep. rather than hoping that we can make our direct job easier. Or, put it just a little bit differently, we hope that we can make our direct jobs easier, and it'll be easy for us to do, right? Yeah. The problem is, Without a technique to move toward a direct focus style, we're frankly unlikely to get there. Now, frankly, some of us do figure out that everybody's different, but lacking some way of addressing the difference, we get frustrated. Yeah, so, called. Yep. most of us simplify our managerial worlds to us versus them. If we can't include everyone's individuality, then we think, well, at least we can reduce some stress by recognizing that they are different from us. Great place to start, yep. but doesn't go far enough. Well said. Um, let me just make a note here. Uh, um, a little bit offline, but I think think valuable. It's not, folks. It's not a rant. A comment here about much of the diversity training that has been so popular over the past twenty years. It has been a big blessing to many many organizations that needed to open their eyes to the concept of diversity. But in some ways, it's also a curse when we think about individual managers working with individual directs. The blessing, of course, is, look, we have to recognize and appreciate the diversity around us before we can address it. In the corporate model, look, if if diverse people are buying our products, our products will be better if diverse people have input into those products, okay? And frankly, when it came to some of the diversity training, if we don't know that something's there, we can't get any better at addressing that something, um, and so we, Amanda Jules thinks that diversity training and diversity awareness stuff has helped big time in that regard. It's been a big plus. And in many places, going from bigotry or, or you know, standard bias or really what amounted to a form of professional segregation when you talk about promotions and so on, to go from that to complete corporate awareness and effective respect and coexistence and true equality was unlikely to happen in certain organizations. So look, starting somewhere is great. We want that. If if you were raised, and there are people listening to this that know this to be true, if you were raised where bigotry was acceptable and you still have moments where you think that, we wish you take a mo- take a demotion and get out of management. There are people that are like that way. It's sad commentary, um, but it's not acceptable in management. Managers have to start, great managers, let's put it that way, great managers start with love, okay? But- there's a curse to this as well, to the diversity thing. And, and, and I promise, folks, you're going to get my point here in a second. There have been managers who have been taught to appreciate diversity, but we've not been given any tools to address a diverse workplace. We've been taught that diversity is a corporate imperative, but we haven't been given ways to, che- to achieve it. Uh, I went to one diversity thing where basically what they did was showed all the things that everybody did wrong, Right. And the other part that I think is important is that many of us have been encouraged to see diversity as skin tone or religion when those things don't matter a great deal in work output. Think about that. Skin tone and gender and religion don't matter in work output. They don't. Men and women are equally smart. 
brat brown tan white in between who i mean who who would want to defend that pigmentation matters in terms of output it doesn't and it never will okay why are we talking about diversity and not delegation in projects because our longtime listeners know this behavioral diversity is an important part of overall diversity but it's been ignored um we believe that both organizational diversity and managerial behavioral diversity are important. And really what we're talking about in this cast is diversity, though it doesn't have anything to do with the ethnic, racial, racial, religious, gender diversity that gets all the headlines. So we encourage you the idea, we encourage you to reject the idea that a diversity can be reduced to skin tone or religion or gender. A diverse workforce is more productive. We totally, we've seen it. We know it. You don't have to be taught it. It's true, okay? And at the same time, it makes the job harder for managers, particularly if you're a newer manager and you're thinking it's us versus them. But but don't forget, racial, ethnic, gender diversity is a proxy for the total diversity that, that we believe the world someday will get to that'll make you more effective. And that's creative diversity and behavioral diversity. It, look, all those proxies, they're good. They're fair. And it addresses history. But it's still a proxy. And you as a manager sometimes can't really see how do I apply all the diversity training I've got, what you can do is treat each person as an individual. And that means communicating with them differently. And that means something like DISC. Look, effective managers don't focus on their team. They talk about their team, but they don't focus on the team. They focus on each member of the team. We don't try to apply one solution to 10 different people. We don't worry about what the team will think. We get to know each individual. We have a good sense of how each team member will think and feel and act. The great managers Mike and I know go on and on, not really about their team, but about the members of their team. If you want to be successful, highly successful as a manager and executive, We've got to spend time thinking about getting to know each member of the team. You know, the, the, along the lines of why is Rob more likely to be late than, than Barbara? Why does David always interrupt? Why does Christy always get quiet when other people are corrected? Who is most likely to share lots of their ideas? Why is Paul always there in a pinch for us no matter how many hours it takes, but Sarah is not? Why is it always Courtney with a really creative idea that breaks the logjam? And, and we, what we found is there's no diversity training that teaches that kind of insight, but behavioral diversity management, which is what we're talking about here, does. Right. And we're going to talk about behavioral diversity in the context of work, right? How to think right. about work, people, task, and time, which is, frankly, just a simplistic regression analysis of Horstman's Law of Project Management. Yeah. Who does and, and look, what by you know, when? Can I just say something about simplistic? It really is simplistic. And folks, we don't make any apology for that. We know that the world is complex and we've seen too many managers not know what to do. If the entire world of managers started using uh, individual behavioral diversity approach, which, which discs and teach us and, and we're helping, we hope. Um, and we start thinking about, about work as who does what by when. And everybody did that. The world of management will be so much better. Productivity would go up so much. Now, you might say, well, what's next after that, Mark? Well, okay, let's get everybody to step one or step two or te- step three before we're worried about, oh, gosh, we're never going to get to step 20, right? Yeah, agreed. All works has got three moving parts, right? They got who's doing the work, then what are they doing, and when does the work do? Right. If you, if you got all yeah. those, you'd get, you get, you get 95% of it. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a hundred percent, right? We agreed. It's not a hundred percent. There's stuff. Look, resources are left out of that. 
right? We just know that the who is the biggest resource. And so we're going to reduce the number of moving parts to three. We know it's not perfect, but it's pretty good. And we don't want to make the perfect enemy the good. Right. Yeah. Just, I mean, just think about it this way. Um, uh, when, when you think about work, deadlines imply responsibilities in, in the modern world. Most of us manage based on deadlines. What's due today? What's due tomorrow? And if one of our teams feels responsible, one of our team feels responsible because they've got a deadline, it's likely they're going to be busy on that deliverable or task. What that means is that's the way our people think. And probably that's the way most people who are listening to us right now think, which is what do I have to do and when do I have to do it by? That's it. It's just a simple way of thinking about the world of work that we're in. And when managers think about delegating or about working with our team or our team members, we recommend you thinking about that who and what and when. Rather than think about everything that could go right or wrong, we, we recommend we narrow the scope a bit and focus on the big the, these three moving parts. Horseman's Law says those things are the people working on something, the deliverable, and a deadline. It's not everything, but it's 80% of the waterfront or 90% of the waterfront. So when we delegate, or when one of our directs is running a project for us, or is a project team member, the most effective way we know to manage their activities is to tailor our communications based on, and and, and tailor our requirements based on their behavioral profile and the, and the three watchwords of who, who's going to be doing the work, how will they relate to them? What will they work on? And when will it be done by rather than doing what might work for us? We study our team members. We think about what works for them and then we do what works for them. Good. All right, so we're going to walk through a rough way of doing that really quite easily, but yeah. we we got to get a, a quick caveat here. Please remember that our disk profiles are never purely singular. Each of us has each of the four primary st- styles. We all have part D, I, S, and C, and it's just a matter of to which degree we have them. Mark, for example, his profile is 7711, which means he's a high D, a high I. But if we're working with Mark, we wouldn't want to apply blindly a pure DI strategy. Right. I mean, there are people who would say Mark is a high D. Wow, he's really forceful on air. So he's a high D, right? right? Yeah. But, but that wouldn't be, you wouldn't want to just do D because I also have high I, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not like Mark has no C whatsoever. Right. Um, it's not like he doesn't look, go through our financial reports. We go through our financial reports every week. And if anybody thinks that just because Mark is a high DI, he does not pay attention to financial results. You would be, as Mark would say, smoking crack. <laughs> okay. So we all, so we all have all these things. Now I'm a high D, but I also have a high C component as well. So if you treat right. me just like a high D and we're a little sloppy around the details, you're not going to be effective with yeah. me. You'd just be talking to my high D, but my high C would be going like, um, yeah. And you and I don't- struggle with that sometimes. I get sloppy on some of this stuff. I get, you know, I go fast rather than neat. And I suggest an idea and you're like, I mean, it's just dead silence on the other line. Here, I've got a great idea. It's a new toy. I'm really excited about it. And you're like, dude, that dude. will work, right? Good. And look, think about it this way. If we both work for the same boss and she's simply focused on the fact that we're both high Ds, in the long run, that wouldn't be as effective as getting to know each of us well, okay? So the point we're making here is a, is a caveat is DISC is, is a simplification, but it's a powerful one. Um, this cast is about the application of simple DISC. We believe, just like we said at the top of the show, that most of us as managers really oversimplify. And so we're just suggesting that even some simple baby steps, some basic simple disk application will make most of, most of us better immediately when we're working with our directs. 
Good. Now, there's no way we're, we're this cast is, like, like we said earlier, is going to run long. Um, and, and probably we ought to end it here. But let, let me suggest this. Why don't we go through high C so folks not only get the introduction to this topic, yeah, but they also ahead. have something to work with uh, yeah. in the coming week where you can start thinking yeah. about uh, their high Cs that they manage. How about we do yeah, that? And then yeah, we'll cover the rest idea. later. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay. So we're going to go to we're going to go in reverse order this time. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, high D's and I's have plenty of egos, so they can they can handle. Yeah, it. they're they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about high C's. So why don't we do this? Let, let me let me do before I get into the, the, our recommendations, do a quick overview of, of high C's. Okay. Unless you want to do it, you're a high C. No, go ahead. I, I'm always interested to hear what you think about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm not going to let you do the high D or the high I one, though. I just want you to know. Oh, I could go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could go there in a second. Okay. So the C in the high C stands for conscientious. High Cs tend to be reserved in most situations as opposed to assertive. And they tend to be task focused rather than people focused. More high Cs than not are drawn to engineering accounting, information technology, software development, jobs that tend to be less people-focused and more task data-focused. High Cs are the perfectionists in the room. They're ready to make a decision after they get some more data, perhaps lots more data. There's a saying that we like here at Manager Tools about high Cs, ready the old, it's a modification of ready, aim, fire, and it goes ready, aim, 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 aim. Okay. High C's tend to focus on work, tend to minimize their interactions with others as opposed to say high I's or high S's who are more people focused. They prefer logic and the reliability of numbers and data rather than the emotions and fickleness of people. They believe that being quiet is usually the best course of action. And in many ways, they're right there. And as high I's open our mouths too often. On the other hand, if they can share better data or correct something that is inaccurate, they will. There's the old joke about Einstein when he was six years old. He looked up and and said to his parents, the soup is cold. And his parents, I'm sure this is apocryphal, but he said, the soup is cold. And his parents said, Albert, we we were worried. We thought you were delayed. You know, you, you were not smart or something. Why haven't you talked until now? And he said, up until now, everything was in order. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a high C right there. Smart guy. Um, (laughs) That's good. Look, they want to know why. And they believe if everybody followed established processes, everything would be much more predictable and therefore manageable. And in that sense, folks, they're right. They don't behave in a naturally friendly way, not because they're unfriendly, but because they're thinking about work, about the tasks they've got to do and how to be as efficient as possible. They make great team members because they attend to detail and reigning in the wild and crazy ideas that have no basis in reality that usually come from D's and I's. And if you want to know who their patron saint is, it's Spock from Star Trek. Yeah. The only problem with Spock, though, is he's part human. But we, yeah, we overlook that's right. that. <laughs> if he were truly all Vulcan, then he would be really your, there you your true. He would be your minor deity. Yes. <laughs> okay. So now, having said that, Knowing what we know, if Mike works for us, right, what might we do differently than just being ourselves and just delegating to people or giving projects to people the way we would want them to be given to us? 
And so when it comes to the who, we're going to talk about relationship development with high C's. When it comes to the what, uh, the tasks, we're definitely going to want high C's to do their own planning. And when it comes to the when in terms of deadlines around tasks, we're definitely going to want them to load up with early deliverables, although we don't need to meet with them to make that happen. High C's are better than most of us at planning and task management and the logic of a project plan. They love Microsoft Project or or they love mind maps because uh, a lot of high C's love mind maps because they think this brings order to the to the chaos that is in my and most people's head. It makes connections that I know exist in my head, but I've got to get them down on paper. And that's true of us, right, Mike? I mean, you really like mind maps. Oh, absolutely. All my high C friends think like mind maps as well. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Holden brings to mind. (laughs) Yeah. And when I, and when I do it, I just, they seem a little too rigid to me. And yet now that I've started a little bit, I'm like, okay, this is working. This is working. But it took me a while to get to come around to it. I wasn't naturally drawn to it the way so many high C's are. Now, to be fair, they tend to be less effective at communicating with others and working well with others because they're not naturally solicitous of others. So, so the who part of projects and delegations can be a weakness for C's. The what part, the task part, the planning part is a strength. And believe it or not, the when, the deadline thing, is a weakness. So what do we do? Look, when we delegate to high C's or we manage their work on a project, we recommend encouraging our high C's to work on relationship development while accomplishing other tasks. They're not going to be drawn to relationships, and yet, unfortunately, the majority of work we do nowadays causes us to have to interact with others, right? And rely, we have to rely on other people's contributions. If we allow those people on our team who prefer to work alone to continue to do so, folks, think about it this way. We're stunting their professional development. If that high C wants to get promoted, I mean, you know, we joke about high Cs being individuals and being not communicators, but look, Mike was senior. He turned down a CIO job to help me help start manager tools, right? If somebody wants to get promoted, it always requires more people skills. And let's be honest, I, I'm challenging me if you want here, Mike, but high C's, they get promoted because of technical skills. And then beginning wise, they do less well as managers because management is all about people. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and that is very prevalent in IT organizations because IT yeah. organizations are full high C's. Even IT organizations need to be managers, managed. Managers, uh, you know, individual contributors get promoted. They don't think about people. And yep. there you go. Yeah, exactly. And look, for those high C's that don't want to get promoted, they're going to want some job security. And that comes not just from competence, but also from the strength of your relationships with colleagues that you're going to have to rely on to get stuff done. You don't want to be the guy who's a genius and a high C, but nobody likes. Because next layoff, they're going to find a way to get rid of you. Yeah. Unless and, you're and guess Einstein. what? If you're, if you're high C in an IT organization or or an engineering organization, and you spend just a little bit of time focusing on relationships, you will be a god Huge. compared to you, everybody else. Yeah, and you'll right. do terribly well. Even if you are not a great relationship person, the fact is right. you will be the best among those that are are not. And we find it helpful, power. right, when we're talking, when we're teaching executives, when we're coaching executives about disk and communication to do opposites. The opposite of a high C is a high I, and the opposite of a high D is a high S, and vice versa. High C's only need a little bit more uh, uh, people skills to do better. A high I who got tolerably good at financials and spreadsheets would would be much better in a marketing and sales organization because most marketing and salespeople don't do that stuff. And and it's the old joke of in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? 
Right. So, exactly. Look, yeah. you don't have to get your high C's to be high I's. That's not the point. No, it's not. Just get your yeah. high C's to move in the direction of an I, yeah. particularly yeah. when talking to an I. And look, just to be clear about, about what we're suggesting here, we're talking about paying attention to these things when we delegate and we're saying, hey, you can ask your C's, your high C's, to work on relationships while they're working on projects to develop them. But you may be thinking right now, I have to coach them. But really, you don't have to coach. What we can do for our high C's when it comes to people, the who of, of projects, is to create tasks that are part of the work that require relationship development. In other words, they come up with 35 tasks they have to do in the next three weeks, and you add two more to their project that are about them reaching out to other people. Or something else you can do is asking for regular reports on their collaboration and communications that they're engaging with others. This, right? this is brilliant, right? And it is so easy. Just oh, add, it's so easy. Just add a couple hey, tasks. Yeah, if I look, you know, you could never work for me because you're smarter than me. But I would say to you, look, if Mike was working for me on a project, I would say, hey, look, great plan. I like it. I really like the detail. I like the way it flows. It makes sense. I want to add a couple more though because I can just see an opportunity here. I'd like you to add a couple. I really want you to have a 20 to 30 minute meeting once a week with the customer, the lead customer uh, technical guy here. I want you to get to know him better. I think that if our relationships are good with him and things get tough as they may in three or four months with budget being being a little bit iffy right now on this project, the better relationship we have with him, uh, the better off it's going to be. So I'd like you to schedule that every week and I'd like you to include a brief synopsis of that meeting when we meet the following week. So another way you might say is, look, I, I, you know, I'd like to add an additional deliverable for you next week. Please report to me in our next one-on-one about what you've done to improve your relationship with, say, the customer service group. Tell me about folks you've talked to over there. Tell me about how you've strengthened your connection, uh, what you can do going forward to build more trust and more open communication with them. Now, the high C might go, well, that's not a linear part of the project. We say, yeah, I know. It's not. And and I think it'll be helpful because I can see, you know, I've been here a while. I can see around this corner. Relationships matter uh, in the beginning and then later in projects when things go wrong. And if you don't invest in the relationship in the beginning and then things start to go wrong and they do a lot, it gets much harder to get, get back on track. Okay. So every time we delegate to, to or manage a project with a high C, we recommend we keep an eye on opportunities that they can take advantage of in terms of strengthening their relationship skills. Yeah, good. Yeah, on the other hand, though, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't describe myself so so accurately, but <laughs> when when it comes to work planning and task management, high Cs are usually pretty competent, right? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Would you? Would you? Would, do you think differently? Uh, no, I, you're absolutely right, sir. Sir, 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 no, sir. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And when we, now, I, I'm, I'm joking, this is about me. It's not about me, but I, I was an IT executive and I've, I've managed a couple of high C's in my life. Yes, you have. Um, when we delegate to them or manage their project work, we recommend that we let them come up with the plan once yes. we've established a clear goal and deadline. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you and I live this, right? You, you tend to come up with the plans. And they're better than what I had in my head, right? As a general rule, project managers and managers who are delegating work are better off. We're better off keeping for ourselves the task of defining the end state of the project. We don't delegate that. And we don't delegate the deadline of when the project is to be completed, okay? If you're going to delegate that to a strong high C, 
What we'd often see is long deadlines and really complex goals, right? We'd see overwork probably. Adiz and I's would describe it as overwork. High C's are really well suited to creating solid plans within clear boundaries. Don't assume you can say, hey, here's the deadline, here's the goal, knock yourself out. They're going to have lots of questions and their detail, their attention to detail will help them create effective plans. But we've got to, we let them come up with a plan after we've said, this is the end state and this is the deadline. Yeah. Well, we've got to talk a little bit about what do you mean by clear boundaries? You got to create solid plans within clear boundaries. And one of the boundaries that you have to set with high C's are quality standards. Now, I don't want to get into debate, you know, total quality management and all that and whether perfection right, 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 is, right. is required or not. But the fact is, for high C's, perfection is a standard. And yep. if the if the goal is something less than perfection, which it almost always is, right. you have to be clear with high C's about what the standard is. Because if the standard is perfection, that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money that you may not necessarily have. Yeah. Mike, would you say, here, here's the thing. I, yeah, I don't want to insult anybody, but here's what I see happening. In IT and in software development often, what I see, and we've done, you and I have worked there in many, many different organizations, and we pick on them in part because we know there's a lot of our managers out there listening or in the technical field. They're trying to get better at management because they're learning, geez, you know, I haven't been taught this before. If I've got a high C manager with a high C direct reporting to her, what we find is that the the um, the high C manager um, doesn't recognize if you don't recognize that the plan that person is coming up with is gigantic and robust and and is essentially designed to achieve perfection, and and we think well we'll let them do that we'll let them come up with a plan because that's their plan and I want to I want them to learn on their own and so on we're doing them a disservice we need to help them understand that. Even executives who are high C's say, no, 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 no. We don't want perfection. Perfection costs a billion dollars. And we don't have that. This is a return on investment. All projects are about return on investments. And so if you're a high C manager, I just want to caution you, and I don't mean to attack you at all, but please be careful. Don't allow your high C's to do to provide a plan. And, and if your first thought of the plan is, wow. That's awesome. That's probably your high C talking, and it's not your management development persona talking. And and perhaps we ought to teach them that we ought to share with them, hey, you need to simplify that because we don't need 650 tasks, and we don't need a critical path method that's nine months long with 650 tasks that is so rigid that even one task missing is is uh, uh, is going to be a failure for the entire project. And I, so I think... Yeah, we, I we, absolutely agree. And, and I'm not going to okay, take good, us down this, this rabbit hole about the story about how we started podcasting. But those of you who recall, I came up with a nine-page project plan that maybe would have been effective. And, and four year, we, if we started it four years ago, maybe we would have produced our fifth podcast by now instead of <laughs> yeah. hundreds. And to be fair, to be fair, we have essentially checked off every single box in that plan over the course of the last four years. We And we did it way, way before now. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. But if you go back to our, some of our earlier casts, the audio quality was not that great. And there were lots of other issues that we fought over the last four years. But the fact is your plan, high D, high I, was let's go to Best Buy and buy a microphone and start talking into it. Yeah, got us started, happens. right? And that is the challenge of the high C. Great yeah. plans. They take a long time. And sometimes if you don't move correctly, don't move fast enough, the yeah. opportunity escapes you. And to that point, one of the things that has benefited us greatly is we happen to release our first podcast the day purely by just serendipity. Yeah. Um, 
we released our first podcast the day iTunes announced our release support of podcast. And that made a huge difference in terms of getting some initial momentum. So there's an example about- of, of high C maybe needing a little of little guidance. Yeah. Talk about first mover, early adopter value for us. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's as if we planned it, not right. Yeah. Okay. We're so, so and look, <laughs> so when it comes to deadlines, the win of work, we found that high C's produce better results. This is important now when they're given early deliverables. If there are very few early deliverables, your highly analytical team members, high C's usually, will spend more and more time planning and preparing and gathering and planning and preparing and, and refining and so on, which doesn't always necessarily lead to faster completion against later deliverables. They get into their mindset that we need to keep preparing, we need to keep refining, we, keep need, we need to keep improving. Uh, and if early deliverables aren't met, we need to be willing to be quick with negative feedback to them. They're going to have great reasons why, you know what, I missed a few, but but I got so much value out of the prep I'm doing that our later stuff is going to go faster. Folks, it doesn't work that way. Projects don't go slow in the beginning and then speed up. Projects that do well later actually generally are found to have had a lot of deliverables in the beginning that are met. Now, if you need to make them small, make them small so that we can meet them. Now, on the other hand, look, if they do meet the early deliverables, we, we set up more early deadlines uh, as, as tests to make sure that we're on the right track on the project. If they meet them, look, please be quick with positive feedback as well. But when they don't meet them, don't make it easy for them to slide the entire project back. Yeah. Well, another challenge with uh, managing high C's here is that you can expect planning and decision delays as the individual's uh, go out and try to gather all the data in the world to make a decision. So there, there's some decision-making that we got to talk about. And let's see, the other thing we probably need to talk about is lack of teamwork. You know, high C's are so focused on tasking, on tasks. Right. Sometimes high C's, particularly if they report to high D's or I's, the high D or I is going to say immediately, this guy, she always wants more time, right? It's ready, aim, 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 remember, right? So they'll want to push back deadlines to get more information, better data, more resources, tighter focus, clearer metrics, whatever. If you are managing a high C in a project, increase your tendency to say no to requests for delays. Now, you high Cs who are listening go, gosh, you know, there are times when I just need more time to get it right. We know what we're asking. What we're suggesting to you in, in an ideal world, when you look at all the moving parts or you reduce the moving parts to, to key things like quality and time and, and cost, right? We know what we're saying. We're not thrilled that quality is going to suffer, but we would rather have quality suffer slightly. There are some applications where that we cannot have that, but not everyone who's listening to this cast is in an, is in an application of, of, of work where, um, Quality has to be perfect all the time, to Mike's point earlier about perfection. Um, we know that when we ask for it early, we're suggesting that quality is going to suffer. I, we just want to be clear. Don't get mad at us as if we don't know that. We do know it. And we're asking you to become more worldly, if you will, about the whole concept of quality and time and so on. So if we're managing high seas, say no to requests for delays, particularly early. Just say, sorry, I'm not going to do it. And another point you mentioned, teamwork. Be willing to hear more about more tension and more delays relative to lack of teamwork. People aren't doing what they need to be doing. I hear a lot of this from high seas. Yeah, I, the reason I'm late is Bob didn't do it. 
well, okay, Bob isn't doesn't report to me on this project. So what are we going to do to work with Bob? And be prepared to be to give uh, uh, guidance about okay, here's what I would do to work with Bob, and give that high C a short deadline because he won't want to go talk to Bob if Bob and him are in tension, are in conflict. And so if we give him a deadline of two weeks, he won't have done anything on it until probably the day before the two week deadline. Shorter deadlines for those teamwork tensions that come up, particularly when Bob hasn't given, you know, our direct, the, the, the hard data he needs in order to go forward. And then by the same token, a little interesting analysis tool we've got here. The reverse is also true. If you notice that delays are becoming more frequent on your project with the high C, it may be due to teamwork that's not happening because the high C is somewhat averse to it. It doesn't make them bad. It just makes them different than the I's and the S's and sometimes the D's of the world. And so you may have to ask questions about teamwork in order to get to the heart of delays. Yeah, that that in my experience, that is a huge issue, particularly around handoffs between organizations. You have two high C's. Now, again, this is IT experience. You have two managers or two directs who are working with each other in different organizations. They're both high C's. They have an aversion to talking to each other. They're they're also um, tend to think about perfection. And you get into a, a finger pointing game when things go wrong and where some simple focus on communications and building a relationship between the two would have identified the issue much sooner. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Good. Now we could go on forever about this. Disk is an incredibly powerful tool and we're really just scratching the surface. Um, but then again, this is not disk tools. So yeah, but, but you know, on the other hand, here, here's a good point, Mike, it, it's kind of good that the high C one was first. We went into a lot of detail on this and it was first. And I bet the high C's were like, this is great. It's a long cast, but I got a lot of information. It's very efficient. I don't have to wait until next week. So that's our small gift. to high Yeah, C. there you go. That's what there that's, we go. Yeah, we're so smart. We figured that all out. Yeah. We, we stumbled into that one. Sometimes <laughs> luck is uh, useful. So, so look, we're, we're going to end it here and we'll finish this cast up next week, but there's a lot here, and I'd encourage folks to go back, use this with your high C directs, really get some experience modeling your behavior based upon your the profile of your directs. And so next week, when we start talking about the I's and the S's and the D's, you have some experience to fall back on. So there you go. Don't wait. Don't wait a week to do something with this. Exactly. Thanks, partner. All right, man. We'll see you next week. That's it for part one. Next week, we'll continue with our conversation about DISC, delegation, and managing projects. In the meantime, join us on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com forward slash forums. We'll see you there. So long, folks. <laughs>